to the services of the Uligan Church of Christ. Got a couple things just to remind us, uh, or of which to remind us before we get started on our lesson this evening with Titus. Um, if you want to go ahead and mark your songbook, our first number is number 616 that Doyle will lead us in at the proper time. And um, Mr. Chuck will be leading our opening prayer. Ross will be on the table if there's anyone need. I didn't see anyone that needs to partake. Is there anyone? Am I missing you? And I just thought I looked. And... Okay, there is not anyone. <clears throat> um, Chris has got the closing prayer and the door attendant. So just pay special attention to our upcoming events. We've got the men's meeting next Sunday night after services. It's hard to believe that December's already almost here, which means that the end of the year is already almost here. Um, it feels like I say that whatever time is upcoming is... It's surprising that it's almost here, but it always seems to be. Um, and then week after that, we'll have the fellowship meal, Lord willing. And ladies digging deep as of right now is scheduled for the 16th that night, 7 p.m. Um, and of course, the sign-up sheets are out there. I think those are somewhat, somewhat filled up right now, but maybe take a look at a few things that are where there are some gaps. And of course, always want to keep in mind our prayer requests and our prayer list so that we can be praying on, on behalf of those, petitioning God on behalf of those that need it. And upcoming uh, birthdays and anniversaries, you'll see that on the second page of the announcement sheet. So be sure to get an announcement sheet and take a look through those things. And we'll take, we'll take your songbook, turn to number 616, we'll start there. I'm satisfied with just a cottage below, a little silver and a little gold. But in that city, 
where the red sun will shine. I want a gold one, that silver line. I got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow. And someday yonder we'll never more wander. And watch the streets and our purest go. So often tempted, tormented and tested, and like a prophet, my pillow was shown. And though I find here no permanent dwelling, come you give me a match of my own. I got a mansion just over the hilltop. <laughs> we'll never grow old. And someday yonder, we'll never more wander. But walk the streets that are pure as gold. Don't think me poor or deserted or lonely. I'm not discouraged in heaven bound. I'm just a pilgrim in search of a city. I want a mansion, a robe and a crown. I got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow up. And someday yonder we'll never more wander. But walk the streets that are pure as gold. Turn over to 215, 215. There is a habitation. There is a habitation. See, 
Zion, Zion, when shall I dwell in thee? Turn to 476. 476. Peace, perfect peace. Peace, perfect peace in this dark world of sin. The blood of Jesus whispers peace within. Peace, perfect peace with sorrow surging round on Jesus bosom not but calm is found perfect peace our future all unknown Jesus throne, O Father, because Thou art the one that gives us peace. We thank You, Father, for the reconciliation that we have with Thee. And we thank You, Father, for the peace of mind that we enjoy. We thank You, Father, for the security and the safety that we enjoy in Your kingdom. And we ask that Thou will help us always to seek peace among ourselves and that we father might turn to thee for the standard of your word and that each one of us will have the heart to seek your word for we know it will bring peace we thank you heavenly father for jesus we thank you father for his great sacrifice for us and we thank you father for his marvelous love that he shows to us and we stand in all of thee because of your love for us in sending your son into this world, this world of woe in order to be a sacrifice for our sins. And we thank you heavenly father for that love that you show to us each and every day by the opportunities to live for thee and to walk in your sight. Father, we also thank you for the light of your word within our lives. And help us, Father, to be different from the world. Help us, Father, to seek to understand your word and to have the courage to apply it to our lives that we, Father, might be better soldiers of the cross. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the opportunity of this hour to worship thee. And we ask that thou will help us to be focused upon your word as we study it together. But help us, Father, to be focused upon the words that we sing in praise unto thee. 
We thank you so much, Father, for everything you do for us. And we ask that thou will be with us. We ask that thou will be with those that are sick and afflicted. And we ask that thou will help us, Father, to encourage one another and so much more as we see the great day ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing number 279 before Russ brings us our lesson. 279. This is Why Did My Savior Come to Earth? Why did my Savior come to earth and to the humble go? Why did he choose a lowly birth? He called, he loved me so. He loved me so. We'll sing number 195, softly and tenderly. I do hope everyone's had a good uh, Lord's Day uh, so far. Our lesson tonight does come from the book of Titus, looking at Titus. Uh, chapter 2 this evening. And in previous lessons, we have looked at uh, portions of Titus chapter 2. We looked at uh, before in verses 1 and the following, where uh, it's mentioned there concerning uh, the older women in verse 2, the older men in verse 3, uh, excuse me, the older men in verse 2, the older women in verse 3, the young women in verse 4, and the young men in verse 6, and how each group of individuals are to do certain things and while we have discussed discussed that before we're going to discuss something very similar to that this evening from Titus chapter 2 beginning in verse 11 looking really at the idea of denial of self or self uh, denial that is denying ungodliness as we'll be looking at that here in just a few moments but again we've looked at uh, these other things before and so I'm not going to uh, look at those things particularly again this evening we look at Titus chapter 2 and looking at verses 11 through 13, which will be our focus this evening. Here the Bible says, For the grace of God that brings salvation is appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, 
We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and, and glorious, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as we look at these verses, no doubt we find that while many things are discussed in the first few verses there, in verses 1 uh, through about verse uh, 8 or 9 there, we find a similar idea found in verse 11 that we all can learn from as well, not just looking at particular groups, uh, different ages of, of individuals. And so we'll be looking at verses 11 through 13 tonight, looking at self-denial. Christian morals is about doing good and not just good intentions. You know, sometimes people will say, well, they have the best of intentions. And no doubt sometimes, and we, we say this sometimes about someone who maybe gets us a gift and we get it and we think, oh, that's really not something I'm into. But that's not what we're talking about this evening. We're talking about Christian morals and doing, doing good and not just having good intentions. Our actions should be based upon uh, our faith and what God says in his word. So we're going to begin tonight looking at our first main point and seeing how the Bible teaches uh, self-denial. We must know, first of all, who teaches the idea to deny self. This isn't, you know, no doubt there are some out there who teach this idea of, you know, of a very broad spectrum of, of, uh, of being religious, being quote-unquote spiritual, uh, we hear people today saying, well, I'm not religious, but I am spiritual and kind of a interesting idea. But that's not what we're talking about this evening. We have to remember where, what the standard, uh, what standard is, uh, our standard is for denying, our, denying self and denying sin. Self-denial means to deny, reject, or refuse an action or an object. If you look at Matthew 16 and verse 24, we find that God's word teaches us to put him first. And Christ says here, in Matthew 16, verse 24, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And we find that we think about this, it is Christ who's speaking. He says, if we desire to follow God, and so if we desire to follow God, or here, as he says here, Christ, we have to do something. He says we have to deny ourselves. He says here, let him deny himself. That is, we deny the temptations of sin. We do not allow them to reign over us. We deny the opportunities to sin. We deny ourselves pleasures that are sinful. And he says there in verse 24, and take up his cross and follow me. The idea there being that we follow God. We take up the idea of taking up our cross as we obey the gospel and we continue to obey him and follow me. We continue to follow Christ. And so Christ is just one example where we find self-denial being taught in the Bible. We are told plainly that, that it is God who teaches us the way of salvation that includes denying uh, wicked desires. We go back to Titus 2, looking at verse 11. He says that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. He goes on to say there in verse 12, he says they're teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. It is God's word that teaches us, again, how to deny ourselves. Christ taught it, and no doubt Titus here again tells us that. He says, therefore, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So all men have the opportunity to hear how we are to deny these ungodly things. Christ tells us that, and we find the same idea in the Old Testament, where those individuals who are going to follow God are to deny themselves sinful actions and sinful desires. God's words also teaches us what to deny. It doesn't just give us a random, just deny ungodliness, but he teaches us what to deny. Teaching us to deny ungodliness, and he says, and worldly lusts. We are to deny things that are in contradiction to godliness. We're to deny things that are wicked sin and sinful actions, things that are selfish, things that are worldly, things that, again, are condemned in the word of God. We are to also deny worldly lust. That is the temptation of corrupt things or corrupt ways of living. <clears throat> deny ungodliness and worldly lust. We think about what's going on around us today. Are there temptations to be involved in ungodliness? Are there temptations to be, to be involved 
and worldly lust. Well, the world tells us and reality to tell us we should embrace those individuals who are involved in those sinful ways of living. That's when we see things like the, the pride parade, all the different pride bracelets and clothing that's out there, all the different things that go on. It's the idea of embracing and condoning a sinful lifestyle. Well, here we find in, verse, in verses 11 and 12, they were to deny such things because they are ungodly and is a lust that comes from the world. And so we are not to have a part of any of those types of things. God's word also continues to go on here as we find in verse 12. It teaches us how to live. He says, so he doesn't just tell us what to deny. He tells us also what to embrace in verse 12. That we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. And those are ways in which we ought to live. We are to live with a sound and temperate mind. That is, we are to be aware and pay attention to what's going on around us especially when it comes to spiritual matters. We ought to be aware of the temptation to sin. We are to be aware of the pressures and the constant uh, pushing out of sinful ideas all around us today. You know, watching a movie over Thanksgiving, it was, you know, geared towards the family. And what did it include? A person who was a homosexual who had been exiled by their family. And the, the sister was looked upon as a hero because she embraced him and continued to stand alongside him. Friends, there's nothing to be, nothing honorable about sitting alongside someone who is living a sinful lifestyle. There's nothing to be looked at, looked up to, no reason to look up to those individuals who say it's okay and accept those types of things. That is not living soberly or righteously or godly in the present age. We are to stand against such, as the Bible says, such abominations. We are to live righteously, which means justly and agreeable to what is right, agreeable to the law, the law there being the laws of God. So we're going to live righteously. We live right according to what the Bible says, how we ought to live. We condone, we, we, we condemn what God condemns, and we exhort and encourage what God exhorts and encourages. We just should not be those who stand by individuals who are living in sin. So we are to live soberly, righteously, and then godly, he says, in the present age, that is pleasing the sight of God in agreement with God's word. If we're going to live godly, we have to live in a way that our lives do not are not in contradiction to what God's word teaches us. So we live right, we live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Why must we deny self? Because in order to live righteously, we must deny self. When we say deny self, we mean deny sinful temptations, deny sinful pleasures, things that no doubt are tempting, things that maybe others are involved in. But if we are involved in those things or we are okay with others being involved in those things, we cannot be those who are living righteously. It's not enough to say, I don't do it. Because some say, well, I don't do it, but I don't see what's wrong with others doing that. Because if we're honest, that's what all the world says about homosexuality and, and transgenderism and all the other stuff that goes on around us today. Well, I don't do it, but I think it's okay if they do. The Bible doesn't ever say that. In fact, the Bible says, uh, we find there in the book of Romans, that those who are guilty of such things are condemned and those who approve of such, right? And so it's not just those who are involved in it, but also those who say it's okay. Look at Galatians chapter 5, looking at verse 24. It says, and those who are Christ have, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That is putting selfish desires to death, not allowing them to be a part of our lives. It's one thing for them to be a part of our past, but they don't have to be a part of who we are today, and they shouldn't be a part of who we are tomorrow. We put those things to death. And, we, and he says here, he words it this way by, by saying, having crucified the flesh, that is the crucifying the simple desires and the simple passions he mentions there in verse 24. In order to do what? In order to live righteously. In Romans 8 and verse 13, he tells us there, here Paul speaking, he says, for if, you have, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you will put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You know, that's pretty plain speech, isn't it? For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. If you live according to your fleshly desires, spiritually speaking, he says, you will die. You will die by living in sin. 
That's what he's talking about, living according to the flesh, living according to those fleshly desires and temptations. Then he says here, but, but if by the Spirit, that is, by the Word of God, living in such a way that's in agreement with God's Word, he says you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So when we live according to the Spirit, we live according to the way that God wants us to live, we remove those things from our life, just like we saw back in Galatians 5, verse 24. You put those things to death. He says, you will live, spiritually speaking. And so we put off those sinful desires, and we put on the desire to live godly. We crucify those wicked temptations and those wicked desires and pleasures. Living according to spirit, living according to the commands of God results in spiritual life. Why must we deny self in order to live righteously, but also to be prepared for Christ's return? We want to live righteously. We want to live in a way that we are denying ourselves. One of the reasons why we do that is because we know that one day Christ is indeed coming back. We go back to Titus 2, looking at verse 13. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ's return is seen as an event to look forward to for the Christian. Why? Because the Christian gets to go home. The Christian gets to go to heaven to look forward with great anticipation. We find here in verse 13, Christ is coming back to judge the living and the dead, as we find in the New Testament, to judge us over all, all things, whether good or evil. There, as we find in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 12, right? And so we find here again, we, we want to deny self because we know that Christ is coming back and we cannot be pleasing to God when Christ comes back if we are living in a way that is selfish and sinful and according to the worldly flesh around us. We must live in a way that's pleasing to God. And Christ's return is something that the Christian looks forward to. It is the hope of a Christian because we know that Christ is returning and when Christ returns it means that the faithful Christian no longer has to be surrounded by wicked people of this world. We don't listen to those who can, we no longer listen to those who condone all the simple actions we could possibly think of. We don't have to hear them anymore. We don't have to hear the naysayers. We don't have to hear those who mock those who try, who try to live in a Christian manner, live in a way that's pleasing to God. They will receive their judgment as well. And the Christian will receive their just reward, just like the wicked will receive their just reward as well. So we must deny ourselves. We must deny those sinful pleasures. We find, again, what teaches us to live in a way that is denying this self-denial, denying ourselves sin and temptations and all those things. God's Word does that. Why do we do that? Because we want to live righteously, because we know one day Christ is coming back. If you think about some lessons for us today, we must remember that God's word is our source of how to live. It is our source of how to live. You know, there's a lot of how-to books out there. If you're going to Barnes and Noble, they have a, lot, a big section of self-help, and they have it broken down in different areas. But those individuals believe they can help you, and no doubt in some ways they might, maybe possibly can. But when it comes to how can you live in a way that's pleasing to God, Friends, the answer is from God's Word. Our brothers and sisters in Christ can try to guide us along the way, but their source is the same as anyone else's who's a faithful servant of God. It's God's Word. It is God, who, His Word, who is our source of how we ought to live. Mankind does not have a standard of living. Man's view of how one ought to live is ever-changing and results in sin that ultimately, and ultimately separation from God. It ultimately separates us from God. Think about it. How many times have we heard doctors say that eggs are good for you? Then turn around, eggs are bad for you. Coffee is good for you. Coffee is bad for you, right? They change all the time. But how is Christ also referred to in the Bible? The great physician, right? And his cure for sin has remained the same, hasn't it? Obedience to the gospel and continual obedience to his will. That has not changed, right? We don't read about how one day you should obey, and the next day, well, you don't have to, unless you're from the denominational world listening to them. The Bible, it says the same thing 
as it did yesterday and the same thing that we'll say tomorrow. It is our standard. It doesn't change. A mankind standard has changed constantly. Why don't we put our faith in those who can't even tell you the source of how the world began? They can't even begin to understand all the complexities of the human body or why things work the way they do. You know, I was watching a fishing show the other night. Not that I'm a fisherman of any sorts, but they were fishing and he brought it, he caught this massive tuna and he said, look, and he, he just started, started talking about and used the word design repeatedly. Was that person a Christian? I have no idea. But I thought it was interesting. He said the word design about six times. He talked about the shape of this fish and its fins and different things, which you think about that, why would you talk about design? Because in the world of atheism, you don't talk about design because that means that designers, you can't talk about that. But creation keeps pushing us towards that, right? And I say that to say mankind hasn't even figured out creation. Why don't we put any faith in them for anything else? Mankind's standard of living changes constantly. Man's view of how one ought to live is ever-changing. And results in sin, ultimately separation from God. Mankind embraces sin and actions that harms himself. You think about those who tell you we should be okay in embracing those in various sinful lifestyles, and yet how many times you read about insurance companies, you will not insure those individuals because of their higher rates of infection and diseases. Why is that? Because their lifestyle literally is killing them. Man's way of living not only separates us from God, but also many times leads us straight to physical death. God's word is our standard of self-denial and godly living. Going back to Titus 2, looking at verses 11 and 12, for the grace of God that brings salvation appear to all men, teaching us the denying, not denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. That means right now. God's word is our standard of self-denial and godly living. Think about this for a second as well. But by denying self, mankind finds blessings from God, don't we? When we say, I'm not going to live in the same sinful way that others live, I'm going to obey the gospel, and I'm going to continue to obey God because I believe his word, I believe Christ is the son of God, so I'm going to obey the gospel, and I'm going to continue to do so. And what happens? We begin to find blessings from God. We find the forgiveness of our sins. We find being placed in the body of Christ. We find heaven being our reward at the end of this life. And the list goes on and on and on. By denying self, mankind finds blessings from God. Our second main point we want to think about, if you think about lessons for us today, is Christ's return is motivation for self-denial. It's not one that is, should be made out of fear, I don't think, but one is motivating. One that says, I want to be ready when Christ returns. I want him to look upon me as, a, as one of his servants and be well pleased, right? You go back to Titus 2 and verse 13, it tells us they're looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He doesn't speak of his coming in a negative way. He speaks of it in a glorious way. The blessed hope and glorious appearing, that's a positive description of Christ's return. But friends, we cannot be prepared if we do not deny ourselves and put him first. Going back to Matthew 6 and verse Matthew 16, and verse 24, right? We deny ourselves those ungodly things. We understand, I think we all understand, it's easy to read these things and say these things, but when we put them in action, they can be very difficult in it. But again, what is our motivation? We want to be a light before others around us. We want to be prepared when Christ returns because that day is coming. We want to be those who are obedient to God's commands when it comes to denying ourselves and striving to live a life that's pleasing to Him. It is, it is impossible to find, a to find a Christian when that person is buried by ungodliness and worldly lust, isn't it? 
When I say when I say I think about a person who is literally covered up in dirt and coal and ash, and we use that as a description of ungodliness and worldly lust. Can we see that person who's been buried by all that? No. And so for others to see our light as Christians, we have to climb out from underneath all that, don't we? We have to cast off the ungodliness. We have to cast off the worldliness. We have to cast off all those things that are ungodly, all those worldly lusts. And we strive to live soberly, righteously, and godly today. When God looks upon the Christian, he wants to see a faithful servant who denies self and puts him first, right? He wants to see someone who has denied all those pleasures of this world that are sinful, who has denied the idea of being brought in and sucked in by those who want us to, con to condone sinful actions. You know, there are so-called churches today out there who are willing to accept homosexuals into their congregations and allow them to be leaders in various roles in their denominations. There are those who are okay with various acts of lewdness, the way people are living, homosexuality, lesbianism, transgenderism, on and on it goes. You know, I think, when I think about that, I think we have to remind ourselves it doesn't matter what certain religious groups are doing. It doesn't matter the Pope says is right or wrong or acceptable to do. All that matters is what God says in his word and that we continue to follow it. You know, as you think about this this evening, we think about what we find here in just in Titus chapter 2. These are not things that are difficult for us to understand what God wants us to do. He wants us to deny ourselves those sinful things that we can be pleasing in his sight, right? There in verse 13. But also notice this. Notice the last two verses of Titus 2. Let's put verse 13 together. 13 through 15. Notice what he says here. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great, great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority that no one despise you. What is Titus, what is Paul wanting Titus here to know? That God wants us to live godly, to live righteously, and to be reminded what God has done for us with, by, we find in verse 14, we are reminded what did God do for us using his son? Use his son as a sacrifice for all mankind, right? who gave himself for us, referencing Christ, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. He gave himself for us that he might redeem us. He says they're from every lawless deed. You think that also can refer to all those ungodly things he's mentioned before? Those ungodly lusts, those unrighteous things we are to be avoiding? No doubt he wants, us, wants to redeem us from those things. He says, from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works, his own special people. Christians are to be different than everybody else, aren't we? I don't mean we wear a certain T-shirt or wear a hat that says a certain thing. You know, there's a lot of groups that like to wear T-shirts with catchy phrases. But it's interesting sometimes you find individuals who wear those shirts and are not living like they claim they are. I saw a guy at the gym one day wearing a baptism Sunday from his denomination. And I watched him continue to be rude about everybody he came in contact with. What could he have done to make that better? He'll take that shirt off and start apologizing to people, probably. It's not about what we wear physically. It's about who we are, the people see, what they see in us. What they hear come out of our mouth, what they see by our actions, we see by our daily lives, we must be those who are bigger than just what we're wearing. Being a Christian and living a life that where we deny ourselves, we deny ungodliness, it's always been much more than just the outward appearance, right? You remember how Christ, in a mocking way or in a condemning way, talked about individuals who 
wore certain garments, how they enlarged their phylacteries and different things like that. Talking about how they wore great, you know, this clothing was so great, obviously brought a lot of attention to them. Now you condemn them for it because they're wanting that attention. I believe it's also Matthew chapter uh, 6 there, where you begin some individuals who went out to do great deeds, but did it all for selfish reasons. The person gives alms, the person prays in a public place, and the list goes on and on and on. See, that's not what a Christian is. A Christian is someone who sees what God requires of them, does it, continues to do so, encourages others to do the same, without trying to draw unwanted attention to themselves, without trying to be the center of attention, without trying to be flashy about it. We use our example and our words to bring people to God and His Word, and then to obedience, and then one day, if they remain faithful, to heaven, right? But we think about living godly and denying ourselves. that is a key part of it. Because it's hard to see the Christian. The world has a hard time seeing the Christian who is living in sin. This evening, as you think about these things, we think about what we can learn from Titus. The Bible tells us as Christ, what Christians must do if we are in sin. We must repent of those things, confess those things to God. He tells us there in 1 John 1 verse 9, He is faithful and just to give us those things and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we're not a Christian, the Bible tells us what we must do. We must hear the word of God. We must believe those words we have heard, believe that Christ is the Son of God. Then repent of our sins, confess Christ as the Son of God. Be immersed in baptisms, our sins can be washed away, being placed in the body of Christ, and then remaining faithful to God. We find that in the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament. That is what God requires of us. This evening, if we can help you in any way, you can come forward now. Let's get every sin sing the song that's been selected. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the portals, he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me.
Tuesday, and you won't hear back until December 8th, I think. Uh, but we want to keep in your, you know, our prayers and others uh, we've already mentioned as well. This time we'll have our closing prayers and we'll be dismissed. Let us pray. Almighty Father in heaven, we're so thankful for this opportunity we have to worship you this evening. We're so thankful for this opportunity we have to come to you in prayer. Father, we appreciate so much the words we have in the Bible to learn and study from. And Father, we think about the world that we live in now that is full of distractions and toys and games and entertainment. And we pray that we can deny ourselves those distractions. The very powerful tool of Satan's to distract us from the importance of reading and studying your word and looking for opportunities to teach the lost. We pray that we can work diligently towards that in our daily lives to be focused on your word and focus on being a Christian first and foremost and not worried about things of this earth. We again thank you for allowing us to be here this evening to study your word. We pray for those that are on our prayer list, Brother Dan with his upcoming test. We're so thankful for the Prashniks and the Carmonas and their improved health. And we pray for others that are on our prayer list that are struggling with their health. Those that are getting older in age and struggling and having difficulties, just be with them and give them strength. And we pray that as a congregation, we can encourage them and help them at, at any time. We thank you so much for this congregation. We love and fellowship that they have together, but also that the love for the truth that they have for you, for you. And we pray that we will continue to stand that way, stand for the truth, and look for ways to teach the gospel to the lost of this world. We ask you to do this as we leave here this evening. Keep us safe in our travels. And Father, that we have the mind to come back again on Wednesday and Sunday to again fellowship together and study your word. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.